What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. Before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out my band at Run With It Band, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, anywhere you follow people at, at Run With It Band. You can also follow us at runwithitband.net. That's runwithitband.net. And on today's podcast, our guest is Jeremiah Toole. Jeremiah is a producer with Bear Track Recording and an artist coach with the company 1000 Superfans, where they help indie artists grow real fans online so they can get paid and make more music. He's also a songwriter with the project Bearface. He and his family live in Birmingham, Alabama. Jeremiah shares his philosophy of coaching other artists and the pitfalls he's experienced that can bring great value to others. I also love his approach of challenging artists to ask the fans instead of just guessing along the way. And he also dives deep into the concept of authenticity and how everything should be centered around that concept. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The Live and Create Podcast. of leaving Kansas City and then finding yourself in Birmingham. Yeah. So I'm like mostly from Kansas City. My dad's a pastor, so we moved around a lot. Okay. But we were in, or my parents were in Kansas City for like the better part of 20 years. And so gotcha. uh, previously it was like five years move across the country, five years move across. Um, and so I was in Kansas City and my wife is from Birmingham. She did Teach for America, got placed in Kansas City. That's how we met. Oh, wow. And okay. then, yeah, so ultimately, like, stuff at the vineyard ended, and we moved for work, for my work, for a year in Colorado, and then came here. Okay. Now, yeah. is that, when you said your work, is that the producing, or did, did you have a day job as no, well? No, it was church work. Church work, okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it was more on the worship technical leading, side. Or? Oh, Okay. No, it was, yeah, I was like the, I was hired to do uh, audio at this really big church. And then that role kind of grew, but almost, almost from the moment we got there, it just didn't feel like this was going to be a long-term thing. And uh, a lot of it was like my wife's ability to find work. She had her master's at that point, but like where we were in Northern Colorado, like it was more about like who your high school buddies were than like what your actual qualifications were. Ah, so, gotcha. Yeah, that wasn't really going to work for us. So we ended up <laughs> both getting jobs back here in Birmingham. So yeah, nice, we, we've man. been here for six, six years, I think now. Now, and you do both the artist side and the, the technical side. What, what started yeah. for, where did it start for you? Uh, did it go, did you have this passion for technical and a lead into the artistry or, or reverse it and around? Um, yeah, it was kind of like all at the same time, but if, if one came first, it definitely would have been the musical side. My family's super musical. Um, I remember like some of my first memories of like three or four years old, like singing with my family. That's cool. Um, so there were four of us. And so we did like, I mean, this was old, like late eighties church music. There was like the Southern gospel kind of thing. And so, uh, I was singing, you know, alto parts as a three and four year old with my mom nice. and my brother sang lead and my dad sang tenor. And so, yeah, we kind of did that. And so really musical growing up, uh, my dad started a church when I was 11, 10 or 11, something like that. So we were very quickly like the band, 
So I started He's like, all right, kids, then. I need you to step yeah. it up, get in there. <laughs> yeah, but we thought it was cool, too. So it wasn't like we were forced into it. But so I started playing bass. My brother is older. When he left high school, they were like, hey, you're going to lead stuff now, right? Because he was doing the leading. So I learned <laughs> guitar or was invited to learn guitar. And uh, yeah, that's kind of I got into the tech stuff because we were setting up things, but really like big deep into tech happened probably when i was like 1920 was in like my first real band um i was living in chicago randomly met these dudes from south carolina joined the band and like was like driving cross country all the time to play with them and ended up <laughs> yeah that's that's a hell pretty, of a commute for a, a band yeah, right it was like 14 <laughs> hours but the front man and i both lived in chicago and so we went to the same college together. So we drive oh, down okay. there to place shows. And then I ended up producing my first album, which was ours uh, in Nashville. Um, we had an engineer. I wasn't good at that stuff, but ended up like doing the heavy lifting of the like creative and arranging and that kind of stuff. And that's awesome. Uh, the, the other dude we hired in Nashville, who was a buddy of ours, he was like, have you ever thought about doing this for a living? Because you got a knack for it. And I, I hadn't until that moment. And that was kind of what started it all, like, in, on a really, like, serious front. That's awesome. It almost sounds like every step of the way, uh, each iteration was born out of necessity, where it's like, we need you to play the yeah. band. We need you to lead. We, but, but here you are stepping up to the occasion, having yeah. natural abilities, it sounds like, but also developing all along the way. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of little steps, a lot of little opportunities that just kind of kept building. And it seemed that that's kind of where, like, you know, thinking back over the last 25 years of playing music and stuff, I'm just like, oh, yeah, everything was kind of pointing this way. Right. Well, and so I, I definitely cool. want to jump into the the coaching piece uh, here in a little bit yeah. as you're coaching other artists, uh, especially yeah. like the super fan ideas and those. those I, I really love, you know, watching what some of the things you're doing online. And Thanks, uh, man. but I'm curious. So on your way uh, in your career, did did you find yourself on the road writing, recording and and doing doing that whole like full band life thing? Um, no, I was, I'm like super introverted, so I'm a homebody. And okay, so that's like, not I the loved, life you want to, <laughs> you don't yeah, want to be out like, there. <laughs> no, I loved it for a season. I really did. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I just love my own bed, man. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not made for like sleeping in a van and that kind of stuff. Like, that's just not really my thing. Um, <laughs> there are things that I miss about touring. There are things that yeah. I miss about playing on the road all the time. Uh, that's not one of them. And that's like a lot of the reality. And yeah, you, you, um, often on the road, I would take like, I do like a story where I'm like, this is actually band life. And it's just, yeah, uh, right. you know, <laughs> it, it's just the road in front of you <laughs> as you're driving. Uh -huh. It's like another eight hours. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it was more that where um, that band fell apart after we released the record. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think like, again, the there were like these parallel tracks that I think in the last couple of years have just kind of merged together. I've always had like the church stuff. I've worked in churches since I was 18. And so for 15, 16 years now, okay. that's what I've done. Um, and I've always had 
something in being in a band or writing my own stuff or producing for other people and doing like indie rock music or indie folk stuff that wasn't church related. Right. And I've always kind of had both of these things. And in the church side, I've been coaching for more than a decade now. Right. Um, so I've been coaching pastors, like coaching people who like needed help, like big stuff with their church, like administrative stuff. I'm really like process oriented. Um, and then helping worship people and tech people. And, um, I was, I was really investing into growing as a producer for artists and every artist that I wanted to work with, they actually didn't have a producing problem. Mm-hmm. Like their music was fantastic, but they do this huge album, drop it and nobody cared. Right. It's like crickets. And All right. On yeah. to the next one. And so instead of like trying to convince people that production was their problem, because it really wasn't, I was just like, it's, it's really, they don't have the fan stuff going. Mm -hmm. And um, so I took what I knew from helping nonprofits be profitable and like getting those leaders in healthy growth mindsets, like, and I'd been working in churches and other nonprofits, like educational nonprofits, Mm -hmm. like, a bunch of different random stuff again. And yeah, so kind of shifted that and was like, Hey, I, I love artists more than anything. Like I, again, like I'm not, I'm not made for the road, but I love supporting people who are. And I think, you know, these artists that I, that I've met and that I'm working with, like they've got something really important to say that the world deserves to hear. And um, yeah, I was just really, really compelled to help them work through that kind of stuff. And so that's, it, it all kind of started January, 2020 and then COVID hit. That was and good timing. Decided, yeah. <laughs> um, COVID hit and then everybody and their mother became a coach, you know, so right. like waters got real red real fast, but, um, yeah, still that's, that's really why I do what I do. And that, so coining it as the thousand super fans, that's the, um, Kevin Kelly thing, like a thousand real people who are going to have real dollars to support you. Like that's what you need, right? You need people who are willing to spend and those types of people, they're just wired differently. Um, they're not the kind of people who are just like following you because you hit some TikTok trend or posted some awesome meme, right? Like the kind of people who are willing to (laughs) invest a couple hundred in you every year, like that's a different breed, right? There's a whole different mindset. And so when it's, when it comes to attracting those people and building those kind of relationships, it's a whole different thing. Um, And so it's kind of like the anti-viral approach. Like, you know, it's like, (laughs) I love that. Really anti-viral. Yeah. It's just like slice down, super niche down, find out who those people are and they'll help you build whatever you want to do. Right. Well, and that's something we found. uh, It was our drummer, Daniel Cole, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's brilliant at like social media, brilliant at building community, all that kind of thing. And he created, we started dubbing it the cult, uh, because, uh, <laughs> they, they called themselves yeah. the, the runner's club. Um, and it wasn't even nice. the name we wanted to call it, but we like threw it out there and that's what they wanted to call themselves. And it was really just like 
like random fans from throughout the world that Daniel had had cultivated and invested in them. And the reason we mm-hmm. call him the cult for a while because he would just be like, "All right, here's the next challenge. Like, go and take these Snapchat stickers I I sent you uh, and put them throughout your city, and then you know, like, do a little picture of it." And th- so it's like we'd get stuff from like Germany on a on a pole, or like New York City on a subway station. I mean, Dude, it was vandalism amazing. pretty much, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what they ended up uh, becoming a key to what we did, even though it was it was a fairly small group, but they were so helpful, so instrumental. In fact, uh, as we're relaunching, like Daniel is reaching, taking a lot of time to reach back out to them uh, where we're yeah. giving them like some pre-releases and trying to say, hey, thank you for all the things you did. And and yeah, it, it was I'm always like big. I, I'm always thinking 30,000 feet. I'm thinking, you know, huge umbrella. And mm-hmm. Daniel, again, was doing this thing that you're talking about, like that niching down to the very core audience. And I I, I got yeah. to see firsthand uh, the power of that. Where, you know, along, well, there's so many things. Sorry, my brain just got flooded with a bunch of questions no, <laughs> as cool. I was reflecting on your story. Because, well, it, first thing I want to talk about is one thing I find so interesting about people's journeys um, is the things that they did in the past weren't exactly what they're doing now but they seem to prepare mm-hmm. them for where they're at now. And hearing like the things you learned in church where you're like, I'm sitting here coaching people and helping them get better at this thing, you know, it, it, it transfers over beautifully. What are some of the other tools you feel like you've learned along the way that now help you as you're launching out your own business? Yeah, I think especially with the thousand super fan stuff that I do, like it is almost the exact opposite of what I did with my band in like 2009, 2010 that killed it. Right. Right. Um, and it's the exact opposite of what I, what I did with Bareface when I was in Kansas city and we were just like playing shows to the bartenders and they were like, you guys are fantastic. Why isn't anybody else here? And I'm like, Dutch, thanks man. But like, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> like, and we were just like, maybe this town isn't our town. Um, but we both of those instances we were just doing what we thought we should be doing and what we'd seen bands do in the past Mm. what we were seeing majors doing and so yeah i mean all those failures i mean the like two or three failures big time in a row the lots of money in an album where you like Mm. every artist just thinks their album's the problem right and they're just like well i just need to like get better sounds better mastering if if i would have spent a thousand more dollars (laughs) yeah or i need to be at this like famous studio with this more well-known producer like that's what's gonna Mm. make everybody think it's cool it's like that's what'll make every other band think it's cool but the bands aren't gonna fund your thing because like they're working on their own right yes and so we just like do these things and i did them for years um where we're like trying to get the attention of our peers, but like, they're never going to fund our stuff. Like (laughs) it's just not going to happen. Right. So like your parents can only come to so many shows or by, you know what I mean? Like, Like, (laughs) yeah. So I feel, I feel like my entirety of like failing as an indie artist a few different times, I feel like learning from that and, really reflecting on like what went wrong but then also talking to like Hmm. my other friends bands like i've had 
good friends, some of my favorite bands who have had to call it quits. And so like, I kind of over the years, just like interviewed them sort of like really informally, but just being like, yeah, what have you guys tried this or what have you tried? What happened? Mm. And kind of taking all that and going, what we know exactly what not to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've got right. a huge long list of, well, we don't want to do that and we don't want to alienate people and we don't want to act too cool and we don't want to do any of this. And it's just like, cool. What's like the opposite of all those things. Let's try that. And I beta tested it with a handful of artists and it just like took off and I'm like, okay, awesome. there's something to this. Um, and then, yeah, we kind of launched and it's just been like a one-on-one -on -one relationship with people. Cause it's still like, you know, people are different, right? You can't like right. just go, everybody is like this. So do this. And everybody on Facebook is this way or everybody on Instagram or everybody on TikTok. Like you can't do that. And so there is this like, um, maybe like my weird brain of like, everything's complex. Like, um, people are complex and relationships are maybe that helps too, where it's just like, I'm okay with the ambiguity of there's no one answer. Yeah. Where, I think some other people are just like, that scares the crap out of me. And like, we need to find like the one and just do it. Well, um, it, it's so refreshing to hear, honestly, from someone doing the coaching world, because I feel like some coaches, online coaches will approach things as if here's the answer. I have the answer because it's like someone told them that's how they're supposed to promote. But like you mm -hmm. said, it's like even like in our band and the surrounding team that we have behind us, it's like each person's motivated by different things. And I can't approach, yeah. like I have to approach people just in my vicinity. Hell, I have four kids. I have to approach each one differently. They all respond differently in different ways. And God, yeah. what a what a powerful thing and a refreshing thing to hear, you know, from someone, mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with artists, right? Where we're all emotional yeah. and all like we have, and you're dealing with our dreams, you know, like yeah, <laughs> the, the thing that you, you know, probably sat in your bedroom when you're 15, hoping one day to be a rock star or what, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I love that you're, you're coming out of all these failures in assessing, you know, in, in thinking through that, because I think that's also refreshing too, because I do feel like people, bands do it too. Like, I've been guilty of it mm -hmm. where you try to just throw out all the wins instead of highlighting like, no, here's yeah. where I failed. Here's where you dropped off. Here's, you know, and, and that's where I, we learned a ton where the band, you know, run with it ended, you know, I almost lost my house, all sorts of stuff. Cause yeah. I, I went past, uh, you know, my, as I deconstructed that it was one of those moments of like, we put all of our money into it. I didn't protect yeah. Like we, I literally like retirement money, everything because I believed in it. It was this yeah. emotional choice, but it's like, oh yeah, cash is oxygen. And if you don't have it, you can't keep breathing. And then if your family's mm -hmm. waiting for it, they can't keep breathing. So it's, so it's like, right. how do you dismantle or deconstruct those things so that, you know, you can take healthier steps as you move forward. And, and that's yeah. honestly what I've wrestled with a lot for your process as you, you've been going through, as you reflected. Uh, on that was it a thing where you just kind of sat down do you have a book in the works that you're you're writing through these things or details of like here's all the lessons or has it just been kind of a mental processing right now you know there's yeah I've thought about like um and there was a season I think last year I was like you know I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna try and distill this into a book because 
um, I was like, yeah, what, what if people can't, right. I'm, I'm trying to work with artists who don't have fans coming in. Most of them are broke. Right. And so you're just like, how can I still help them? How can I still help them? That's not a high ticket offer. Like what I do. And honestly, like compiling into a book was like easy and difficult at the same time. Cause, um, and maybe this is what would be the difference maker for me. Um, but it's how I, it's, how I differentiate myself from the rest of the market of coaches who work with artists and stuff is like kind of what you were saying. Like, I don't have personal success as an artist. I have, I only have failure and that failure I think is an asset for me. Mm -hmm. Um, like I treat it as such, like it is, it is the banner that I wave is like, look at all the ways that I screwed up. Do not do what I did. (laughs) Like, Right. It's like, like, here's the cautionary tale of, yeah, (laughs) it's that. And so like that approach is a lot less sexy to like a mass appeal than someone else, like other big coaches who are like, I got to a label when I was in my twenties and like, I did this and I did this and everything (laughs) I did was successful and I had a lot of money and I put a lot of money in ta-da I'm there. (laughs) And it's like, let me show you how I was successful. Right. Where I actually think like, that's not really helpful either. Cause like, like say I come to you, I've had success and I go, Miguel, I'm going to teach you how I was successful. Mm. It's like, we are different. Right. Right. We are different people. Like who, how, how is there ever a guarantee that what worked for me is going to work for you? Especially so in such a diverse things. industry as the music industry. It's, right. There are so many avenues yeah. where I've, I've, all the different interviews, even the one I had just earlier this morning, it's like his band took a totally different route to a pub deal than the the guest mm-hmm. two weeks ago who got a pub deal. <laughs> like they, they completely yeah. different routes, but both found themselves, yeah. find themselves in that success. So sorry, I cut well, you off. Each of us, <laughs> no, it's, but it's each of us have a different ideal audience, right? Like we have a different ideal <laughs> fan. So the approach is different. Like right. the, and that's where like, I feel like what I offer is more of a process hmm. than a like list of things to do. It's like a process of asking the right questions, a process of like the right kind of self-discovery because what I've really found is like the gap that exists is that people don't really know why they're doing music in the first place. And if hmm. they don't know why, like that, that piece of the puzzle is what super fans are motivated by. Like yes. they want to hear your deep stories. They want, like for me as an artist, they want to hear my stories of failure because they want to identify with that. Right. And they can reflect right. in their lives and they're like thinking about all the times that they screwed up in the same kind of mindset right it's more Mm -hmm. aligning on that than like functionally like i was in a band in south carolina i failed this way like they don't (laughs) care about that but they're thinking about oh my god did i ruin my my last relationship because of that mindset like Mm -hmm. we're connecting on those things and so yeah it's like so yeah most artists don't know why they're actually driving they're just like i don't know like i love music i've always loved music (laughs) and that's not a really 
compelling thing, right? Like, right. what do you want to create in the world? What's the kind of legacy you want to have? Like, all of those things yeah. are what really allows us to connect with the right people who are going to like write the checks and like buy your stuff <laughs> and pre-order it like and go yeah it's cool like you know those are the kind of people who hop in on the kickstarter campaigns when there's mm -hmm. nothing and they're like what compels them to support you is why you're doing it mm -hmm. not what you're doing oh that's um that's awesome because and it's funny like on with the failures and going to the wise versus like just the clear success here's how i did it uh, mm -hmm. I have a friend who's a consultant in the med tech world. And so he he's basically hired by investors to check out a company um, and assess if it's worthy of like investing in. Oh, right. uh, and then he also gets called because of that. He gets called by other companies that are failing and they want to like come back up like they used to be big and they want to come back up. And he said, mm -hmm. those are the most interesting companies, because usually what happened was is they got lucky and got success very early and they have no idea why they were successful. They have like, they, yeah. he's like, you find out they just kind of stumbled into the success. And he's like, and so they haven't done all the hard work and, and learn from all the iterations of failure along the way. And one of the things he starts with them, like what you're talking about is starting with the why and where he like has this, it's actually a band or we have a, what we call the band business one sheet uh, that we have internally mm -hmm. as a band. And it's actually modeled after a lot of things him and I have talked about because it's like, he's like, we go through the why, we go through the vision, we go through your values, we go through, yeah. you know, all that thing. And he's like, because they haven't even thought about it and they have no idea. Yeah. And they're just scrambling around <laughs> because they didn't actually have the luxury uh, or I guess privilege, I, sh I should say, of failing and learning from their mistakes and, and yeah. knowing what drives them. So that's really cool. I dig that. Yeah. And if we don't answer those questions, then we're just competing on sound. And like ever since the mid nineties competing on sound has been losing because recording stuff, technology got cheaper, right? Yeah. Like you could compete on sound when nobody had access to stuff. Cause then mm -hmm. it was really just whoever had enough money to cut at ocean way, <laughs> like whoever had enough money to cut at blackbird, whoever had enough money, right. Yep. to record at these spaces, then they were the good people and everybody could actually hear the difference. Well, and they also, at the same time, they had a monoculture pr primarily. Mm -hmm. Like if you could get on, it was hard to get on MTV, but if you could get on there, you're gonna, it's gonna pop. Right. Like if you could get on the radio, it's gonna pop. Um, mm -hmm. But now distribution, all of that, monoculture doesn't really, distribution's not a problem now and monoculture right. doesn't exist. And so in a sense, like, what you're even what you're talking about like this concept of like your niche following that's kind of how the whole world operates now anyway where like there's people who yeah. like mr beast has like i don't know how many followers and i was just learning about him and because my kids love him but like i have no yeah. idea but he's like this hugely famous person to them and that's how the world is kind of like broken apart in in ways so the opportunity yeah. but i think there's so much opportunity there yeah yeah there really is for you, um, when you're when you're working with artists, is that do you start with the why piece, or do you start just kind of getting to know the person themselves to try to understand? Yeah, them? usually that like get to know them happens like before anybody ever like pays and hops into a thing. I got um, you. 
Because, yeah, for me, like, I work so closely one-on-one with people that, like, I've got to know that we're going to be a fit. And so there's a lot more conversation that happens before anybody is ever like, I'm good. Here's my credit card. Let's do this. And so, yeah, usually by the time that that happens and they're, they're a client, I know a lot about their history. I know a lot about what they feel like their struggles are. And I've also Mm -hmm. done a lot of my own research to see what stuff is. And so, yeah, we just start straight in with the, like, um, like where are we where do we want to go that kind of stuff and then really deep into who they are as an artist i mean i've got this like questionnaire it's like 50 60 questions something like that it is very difficult to like finish on your own um so like we do a call that's just on that we do like a zoom call where we build through that and most people are like i don't really know what to answer this and so i ask a lot more questions And so it's a lot more of like this consulting coaching relationship through that. And then after that, we can actually then go, let's flip around and go, who's like a 95 plus percent match for this, right? Mm -hmm. We got to start with who you are. If we start with who they are and like shape ourselves to them, that's pandering. And that's not going to last very long. And so we want to build something that lasts. We don't want to have the like, I feel like in the, in the folk circles, like the classic story is when, um, when Bob Dylan went electric, right? Uh-huh. The world ended. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like got booed off the stage. He had to start over again because mm-hmm. unfortunately his identity to his fans was I'm a dude with an acoustic guitar and I'm going to speak my mind. Right. Everybody right. loved that. And he discovered that like the relationship with his fans wasn't actually based on him. It was on what he did. Hmm. And so that's what all of us do, where we just go, I'm an indie rock artist or I'm a pop artist, right? And we have like the thing that we do is our identity instead of like who we are. And then (laughs) the music is what flows out of us. And so we start with who we are because that's That's the thing that like, yeah. And those super fans, like they, they care about who you are more than what you do because they see that too. Maybe they wouldn't be able to write it down or straight up say it to you, but that's like when they, when they meet people and they just go, man, we just vibed or like, there was just this energy. It just felt like there was this something between us. Like that's what that something is, Hmm. is that we're deeply resonating about why we're doing things and like what drives us. Right. And so we can give people passes and people can be like really eclectic in their styles and it doesn't matter. Those super fans are going to follow them. You know, say, I, I feel like Taylor Swift recently was, or five, six, seven years ago, we saw the fruition of that where she like, to me, she'd always really been pop. Right. But for the rest of the world, she moved from country to pop. And mm-hmm. the super fans were like, this is amazing. I'm all for it. And everybody else was like, I'm as country Taylor. <laughs> it's just like, you didn't, you didn't really care about her then. Right. You just cared about the product, not the person. Right. And, so, I, and as she switched and her songwriting has grown even more so and the production value, like I like I just love it more and more each time. Yeah. And it's like and now it's almost seems like each record has its own character. And yeah, yeah that's and I because I've also been thinking that genre is something that's a lot more. I, I'm saying this in a dumb way, but a lot more easily bendable. Um, now 
as well, just yeah. because of the environment. And but I right. love, I love where you're pointing to is just it has to be an authentic piece, you know, because yeah. I, I think there's so many great artists, there's so many great singers out there, so many great bands everywhere you go now, and you can listen to any of them at any moment. But I keep wrestling through what helps you break through. And I do think the people mm-hmm. that seem to break through, there is an authenticity when they finally let go and are just them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You like make the music that you love to make. <clears throat> and then you find, you find the people who like why you made it. Like, right. And they're going to be awesome. around for the next thing. If you're just like, Hey, this one's a polka album. They're like, that's weird, but I love you. So that's cool. <laughs> like, and, right? and if they, if you're going to do a polka album, it's probably, they're like, it was super weird. So I love them even more because that's probably yeah. why they were drawn to you. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, you know, not all of us are going to be like that drastic right. shift in our music, but for someone who is like their super fans are actually really interested in that. Right. Exactly. Like that kind of a person who's the super fan of someone who's like, maybe I'm going to do uh, like an indie indie pop album and then I'm going to do a bubblegum pop album and then I'm going to do this indie folk album and then I might do a polka thing as a joke. Like <laughs> their super fan is interested in the ride, right? Exactly. It's like they're also probably going to be some like Enneagram Force, right? <laughs> like um, what is what's the name of the Foo Fighters album where they did like a disco thing you know oh, what i'm man. talking about i don't i don't know because uh, no, they literally that uh out. that would be awesome <laughs> let me yeah let me i gotta look it up now so yeah well <laughs> listeners thank you for putting up with us um let's see so foo fighters yeah because they put out a oh, uh, yeah you're right the dg's album the, there it is yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> and like they just put out a horror movie. In fact, it's almost like they're yeah. living out exactly right in front of us what you're talking about. Like Yeah. Like not everyone's going to get it, but the people who do like right, really really do. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, you know, Foo Fighters are at a point where like they can make stuff like that and everybody's just like we're watching the Foo Fighters thing, you know. That's true. Um for everybody else like us who's on the indie level and like under 50,000 fans, like it's a different game, right? right? It's different when you've got millions of dollars to promote something than when you've got 10 grand or 50 grand or less. Right. Yeah. Um, And like, yeah, we just, yeah, the approach needs to be different. Um, There was a book forever ago that I read that kind of alluded to this um that was like the indie band survival guide i think i read I think it I'm like i think i've seen it i don't think i've read it yeah like 2009 10 something <laughs> like that but it it got into this like short tail versus long tail approach that's like a more businessy markety thing but like mm-hmm. yeah the the short tail people like that's people with like mass market success there's a ton of money from a ton of different people or like fewer dollars from many different individuals but then the long tail is where there's still a lot to be made more dollars from fewer people. And like, that's, that's where like niche down is, is the key. Well, and I feel like long people term... get, people get stuck cause they just like, I want to reach the masses. And it's like the masses don't exist. Yeah. The masses are a conglomerate of a bunch of small little tribes yeah. in a way. 
Yeah, they, they happen to just overlap. That's one thing I've been noticing, and uh, we're trying to build into our own strategy is this idea of, like, well, it, I get it. I see it a lot in rap culture is, is like, the features where you have different artists, like, mm -hmm. mixing. Um, for example, like J. Cole and Lil Baby, where they have totally different kinds of audiences, but then they come together, and it's like they kind of trade back and forth. And to me, that's a it's a great picture of these overlapping tribes, basically. And yeah, um, how much do you see artists being interested in that? Because it's not as prevalent in the rock world, but I'm noticing it more and more. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, how much as you're working with other artists, are you seeing this idea of features or like partnerships or um, I don't know what they call it in the rock, which, which you would call in the rock world. But. Yeah, like business, that would be a joint venture, right? There you go. Like yeah. similar to us doing this podcast, right? I've got a thing. Exactly. You've got this thing. We're coming together. I'm going to point my audience at this because like, hey, look, I'm on this thing that helps you. You have exactly. me on that helps me, right? So that's that's like the feature thing. I think um, I think there's going to be a lot more of that um, mm -hmm. as again as like the digital world we're in. Like like one of my clients is in the UK. I've had clients in the Middle East. I've had clients in Los Angeles and San Diego and Indianapolis and like everywhere. Right. I've got one in Montreal, Canada right now. Like that's awesome. I've, I've collaborated on music projects with an artist in the Netherlands. Like you can do anything with just about anyone anywhere right now. Right. And I feel like that is just a killer opportunity. Um, sorry, my computer is freaking out right now. You still see me, hear me? Yep. Yeah. You're there. Okay, cool. Then I'll just keep talking like I can see you. Okay. But yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that kind of stuff, I hope we're going to see more of it. Um, I think the way to do that really well is just to be really open-handed and humble about it. Like, mm. and do it with people that are, that seem on like a, a peer kind of level. Mm -hmm. And then there's not really like a, you know, um, like it's different if you're like going to someone with a way bigger audience and you're like, Hey, can I get a feature? It's just right. like, yeah, that's not really right. You just yep. need some rapport. You need that, but like build genuine relationships. So just like I've have my artists building genuine real relationships with fans who like, we hope that there's money involved, but like, if you have that too far in the front of your minds, like you're mm. going to lose it. Right. Absolutely like people need to know that you're actually for them. And so you've got to like rewire your brain away from sales and toward relationships. And then the mm. sales will follow. Um, I feel like it's the same in like a B2B kind of situation, artist to artist where it's like, Hey, I love what you're doing. Let's, would you be interested in doing something together? You know? Right. Um, and having it really open and just having a great conversation about it. And then, you have something that hopefully both people are really proud of. That's the best solution. Cause then there's equal. <laughs> then they're excited to share it. Everyone's excited to actually yeah. put it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I, I constantly think about the concept of value exchange um, with people around. It's like in asking, it's interesting. You're, as I hear you talking, makes me think um, like even with each post, like asking, you know, what's the value this is bringing, you know, to a fan mm -hmm. and, 
and it, it's like our relationships have that value and there's there's so many levels of value that's not just money that mm-hmm. is powerful right and i like that you're talking about you know don't don't have that up front because yeah it can kind of mess you up or like even if you like i've been in those rooms where it's like it's harder to network if you're just thinking oh i need to meet this person because they're this executive at this thing right you know as opposed to yeah. like hey we're all just having drinks and we're all just chilling and oh shit we really connected oh you're the mm-hmm. then you find out later they're the you know executive at this thing <laughs> record company yeah. or whatever and you're like oh um it's like how do you get that out of mind instead of i guess coming into a relationship asking what value can i bring is probably yeah, a good way to exactly say. yeah instead of what value can i extract from this it's what value can i can i add to this relationship right like what can i add to this to this conversation what can i add to this group of people like yeah it's all about that well and that's yeah, a, it's a like good... you said everything is value everything's a value exchange like yeah everything we do absolutely well and it, it it makes me think too where i like your perspective of saying like making sure looking at people who are like on the same level and because i think about other artists I know who have reached some kind of success, usually there was like this group of people that formed around them. Um, I love like, oh, well, for example, the the new, I don't know if you had a chance to watch uh, Genius, the documentary, the Kanye West documentary. No, not yet. It is amazing. Um, it, it's, it's emotional. It's sad. It's a lot of things, but I almost think it should be required watching for anyone who wants to be in the record industry because it shows you like literally Kanye West sitting in a living room making beats before anyone cared that he was Kanye West. That's when they started filming this documentary. It's 21 years ago. Wow. And they follow him all the way to now seeing how like he's his life's he's basically imploding his own life uh, essentially mm-hmm. as we watch on in real time. But um what was interesting is the the community that even he had around him and how it was like all these people running together. Now, not everyone made it, obviously, to Kanye's level, yeah. but it's like all along the way, there was these people that all had mutual value and belief in each other. And and yeah, it it definitely reminded me to to keep an eye out uh, for those around me. Like how how do we all rise up together? Yeah. You know. Well, and I feel like another piece that's really important to go alongside is, and this is like some of the nonprofit values coming out is. Um, I think it's really important for us to like invest in people like at a state beneath us too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Cause like, right. Someone, someone opened some door for all of us at some point in time. Right. Like there's Absolutely. really nobody that, who's self-made. I, I don't think there is. Um, I agree. That's the self-made us, artist uh, thing. Like always irks me yeah. when I hear people say that. <laughs> Yeah, like every dollar we get from music came from somebody else. Every opportunity we've been given came from somebody else. Like, let's right. like not shut the door behind us when we go through it, right? Absolutely. And so I think that's really important. And like, again, that kind of just operating in the world that way is what allows an artist ahead of you to look back at what you're doing because more people are watching you than like, your peers right it's like so other people are watching and if they're just like this artist is giving tons of value to their to their buddies like 
people on their level and they're giving opportunities to everybody else. So like, I want to work with that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how, like, yeah, I've been in rooms that I shouldn't have been in because of stuff like that. Like where I'm just like kind of fangirling in the corner and being like, what is really happening right now? <laughs> like, like how did this a, happen yeah and like a dude from my favorite band's like we should write some songs together and i'm like yeah okay you're like yeah yeah definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah let me try and play this cool which i don't have i don't have that button of like play it cool at all it like, Guy, i forget I what band it was uh i wish i could remember what band i want, I want to say maybe someone from the black keys one of the members um but uh they were talking about meeting Bono from U2 at a cocktail party just randomly. And it's before like their band had hit. And he was like, I was already super drunk because I was so nervous. He kept like downing <laughs> yeah. like, you know, cocktails. And he's like, I basically stumbled all over my words, like meeting Bono, but it ended up working out. He said they ended up drinking together like the rest of the night. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, just, it's like, it's like, oh, how do, how do you play those things off? And you're like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that that reaching reaching down to pull other people up, inviting other people in the room. Um, that's a huge thing. And it I there's times where I felt like I couldn't help other people. And I had someone, you know, a mentor of mine encourage me and say, because I'm like, I haven't reached this, you know, thing of success in my mind. And he's like, yeah, but in a sense, you're on mile 50 and they're on mile 25. You can still help them from 25 to 50. You know, like they, yeah. they're they're at a place where, you know, like if you've already started a band and you're already playing shows, maybe someone's just writing songs in their bedroom. You know, it's like there's there's ways that you can bring people along with you. And that was a that was a good reminder for me um, to to make that a practice of what's yeah. happening the whole time. And I think maybe that's just my whole approach to coaching, too, is like like my career. Let's take your miles thing like if my career stalled out at 25, I want to, I want to help someone get farther than I ever got. Right. You know, it's like, I I want them to not have the failures that I've got that I tout. And I'm just like, look at everything that I bombed. And, you know, I play songs for people and they're just like that bombed. And I'm like, yeah, it did. Cause we did this <laughs> like, and we acted like this and like, nobody wanted to be around us. And like, no bands did no fans did like we were just out for money and like it was the scarcity mindset and like i don't want you to have that either like and so yeah when you're like pulling people along and like yeah every now and then i feel like you can try and slingshot them too slingshot them ahead and just be like yeah dude go get it man because like i i don't yeah i don't have those dreams of like touring worldwide anymore like but I want to help someone else who does. And like, if I can do something to help someone correct their course to get where they want to go, I'm going to do it. That's awesome. Now yeah. you, you mentioned that phrase, uh, scarcity mindset. And, uh, yeah. what, when you're, when you're thinking about that, that concept, like how do you unpack that for people to, Man, to break so out many of that different mindset? angles? Yeah, there's so many different angles to that that can kill your career before it gets going. Like, often artists are like, there's there's only X amount of fans, right? And so we're like competing with other artists for fans. And it's like, do you listen to more than one artist? <laughs> They're like, yeah. I'm like, other people do too. 
Like, <laughs> stop. Like, I love that. You you are not unique. You are not some unicorn that's nobody's like you. Like like nobody writes songs like you, but like you listen to a bunch of different stuff. Other right. people do too. Like just because you can be super fans, like super fans, like they you can only be like a super fan of like two or three things at a time or bands at a time, artists at a time, just because it is like that kind of demanding of a relationship because of how much you're putting in. Right. But you still listen to a bunch of stuff. So like, um, yeah, I just feel like feeling like there's never enough of something or I need to, I need to compete with someone for something like, um, yeah, I feel like that just kills us. And so, um, it's similar with like, you know, if you're just like, there's, there's not enough money for whatever. it's like, we can always figure out money, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can borrow it, you can get it in a loan, you can get it in pre-orders. Like if you've got fans who are in your corner already, there's money in there somewhere, right? Same with mm -hmm. when I'm talking to nonprofits and they're like, yeah, just like givings down, but like this many people care. I'm like, well, the money's in there. Like it's right. in there like and so it's going to be different levels of stuff for different people but like give them opportunities to give like have have you as an artist like given people other opportunities besides streaming to give you money like you're never going to get it from there right <laughs> right like oh you released a t-shirt great job like let's release 10 more like stop like you know, and it's this like, there's never any money, but we haven't done anything. I feel like those things go hand in hand a lot, but yeah. That's interesting this, that like, hits on the, the value piece too, of like, like you want value extracted, but what are you giving them? Have you given them a, a new t-shirt yeah. that they might want to wear? Have you given them a new product, a new- Or have you asked them what they would wear? Like, Ooh, yes. <laughs> so many artists are asking me, they're like, are CDs dead? And I'm like, have you talked to your audience? And it's like, no, our CDs dead. I'm like, I just helped an, I just helped an artist in, in the UK pre-sell his CDs to where he was profitable on release day. Like, wow. People are still buying with CDs. real physical like, CDs, physical CDs. He shipped crazy. them all around the world. He shipped them. He's in the UK. He shipped them to Japan, to Germany, uh, nice. someone in like in Southeast Asia as well. People here in the U S and Canada, like people still buy CDs, not everybody's audience buys CDs, but like, right. if you just feel like CDs are dead just because you don't like them and you wouldn't buy them, guess what? You're not your fans. Yeah. Like they are going to be a lot like you, but just the same way, like other artists aren't going to be your super fans. Like you're not going to buy your stuff. Like, <laughs> stop like <laughs> well yeah i guess i'm not always like bumping run with it tunes as i'm driving down the street no. right <laughs> no I, I still listen to some of my stuff like a decade later but like i didn't do it the day i released it where i'm like what's up like yeah you know <laughs> no i'm just it's more nostalgic for me now where i'm like oh exactly. i'm replaying all that but yeah it's like yeah, people still buy CDs. Yeah, people buy vinyl. People are buying cassettes now. But like, you don't know what's in your audience until you ask them. Like, and if you hmm. don't have a relationship, it's really hard to get an answer. 
That's interesting. Um, cause yesterday I was, I was driving to the store after like doing a bunch of just band details, all, you know, all the sexy stuff, uh, <laughs> emails yeah. and all that. And yeah. I just got off the phone with a promoter for an upcoming show. And I, I was texting the band too. And I'm like, we need to figure out how can we bring value to the promoters? Like they're, they're putting this stuff together. How do we make yep. their lives easier? And I'm just racking my brain in the store, you know, just like I, I kept wandering aisles because I forgot what I was shopping for. Cause I was thinking about like, Oh, how could I, my brilliance come yeah. up with a way? And then finally I just, it hit me. I, I was like, let me text him. And I, so I was like, Hey, how can we help? <laughs> it was like the most yeah. simple idea, but I literally just wasted 30 minutes walking around in the store because I thought I was going to come up with a brilliant answer. <laughs> and yeah. they had mentioned some things that I didn't even think about that were like very simple and even opened up a door yeah. to where like, why don't you stream basically saying like, why don't you do an account takeover and then you can actually stream, which damn, that benefits us like even more, yeah, but that's it's amazing. what brings them value. So that's, man, I love your, I just love your fan centric value centric idea in that, that concept too, of, of scarcity versus what, what do you call the, like the, the, what are you coaching them in? Like the opposite of scarcity. I'm trying to think of a, the word. Yeah. Abundance. Abundance. Would be a okay. mindset that like, yeah, there's plenty around. Like we don't need to fight for it. We don't need to argue for it. We need to like present opportunities like, and by fight, I mean, like, we don't have to steal from someone else to mm. get it. Like, you know, like there's enough money to go around. There are enough fans to go around. We just got to find ours. Like, right. And then we got to give those fans opportunities to invest in us. Cause like, um, some artists they'll, they'll grow a huge following online and then they're still broke. Like one of my artists had like an Instagram following of like 26,000 people that she built on her own. And when she released her first single, she had like a hundred something plays. And I'm like, okay, mm. so you figured out how to get people, but you haven't figured out how to get people who cared enough to stream it. And your songs are killer. Like right. she's one of the most talented. You, I'll, I'll send you an email. You got to have her on this show. Cause she is, that'd be awesome. Dude. She is one of the best songwriters I've ever met. And she's like, I think she just turned 20. Um, she's been writing so she's for other people for like eight years. What? Um, man, she's yeah, got a like, whole lot of great like, stuff ahead of her. She's been doing that already. <laughs> she like got her GED, left college, or left high school early to play music full time. Hmm. Like she's killer. Anyway, so I'm working with her, right? And it's like, yeah, so you figured out how to get the masses together, but like nobody nobody cared. You released this song and she did it all the, the old school ways, right? And she you know, took some course that was 50 bucks that was like, here's how to do an Instagram, like 21 day, whatever. Right. Um, and nothing. And she just didn't have relationships with most of these people, or they were just there because she's an attractive young woman. Mm -hmm. And it's like, cool, we got to get the right people in the room. Like, how do we get the right people in the room? We got to give them the kind of stuff that they're interested in. They're interested exactly. in deeper. But then once they're there, like if we, if we don't ask, we don't receive. So if we don't present opportunities to where people can actually like be on our team, like super fans want to give, right? They do because right. they see that our goals are one and the same, right? Well, it they seems want, like in that uh, way is how they are part of the whole thing. Yeah, because they win when we make more music, 
they understand that music is expensive. So they're like, okay, so I need to help them figure out dollars either for myself or through like promoting for them so that other people can support them financially. Like, like if I'm broke, I can still add value as a super fan. So super fans add value as well. Um, Yeah. Most artists I think failed because they're thinking too small and they're just not giving their people opportunities to, to back them. Like Hmm. uh, there was an artist that I talked with um, who wanted to be a client hasn't worked out yet. Um, but he was, he was like, yeah, I just really never want to do a fundraiser, but he's struggling for money for his thing. And I'm just like, you've, you've got some fans there who'd give you money. Like what's it, it's just this pride thing. It is, you know, and I say it because I had a similar conversation this past fall, uh, talking through a friend of mine as a marketing guy and, mm-hmm. uh, he is really pushing me to do Patreon. I was like, I don't want to, mm-hmm. this is why I had all my reasons, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's just like, dude, there's people who want to be part of that in the things that you can yeah. offer them. Like they literally do, they, they would, you know? And it, and it was, and it was a pride thing too, where I'm like, what if I only have 10 people? He's like, then you got 10 and that's the only way you can get to 11, mm-hmm. you know? And he really, he kind of kicked my ass yeah. on that to open, open up my mind. Yeah. One Patreon thing I noticed is something though. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, oh, sorry go, go ahead. ahead. No, you you jump in. Oh, okay. Yeah, Patreon is, though, something I feel like I see a lot of artists hopping into too soon. Mm. Um, so, like, too Patreon soon in, is... In what, in what way? Like, um, audience readiness um, and, like, critical mass more is okay. kind of the, the concept. So, like, um, it's not really about the finances as it is about the people. So, like, when you launch one and you've got 10, you're like, well, I got 10. And with the right mindset, you can be like, that is the only way to get 11. Like, you know, what, mm-hmm. what your buddy told you on the flip side though, for longevity, like I'm all about like getting us some wins. Cause like, there's nothing like a win that'll like keep you moving right. forward. And so I see all these artists launch Patreons because they're like, holy crap, someone could like give me money every single month. People could like subscribe to me. <laughs> Sounds great. Music. Who, wouldn't, brilliant. <laughs> who wouldn't want to do that? Um, and so they get their five or 10 people. And then what starts to happen is they lose the healthy mindset and they start going, I'm spending so much time for 15 bucks a month. Mm. And you start resenting the people who were the early adopter people anyway, Interesting, right? You start, so you start resenting them. You start resenting what you're doing, that you gave them this opportunity. You start going, well, this person only gives a buck a month. Like that's not really valuable. And it's like, you don't know that like, right. Maybe that person has $5 free at the end of the month. And they decided that 20% of their free cash flow was going to you. Like that's Mm. huge. And so I'm, I'm mostly about like, let's launch Patreon when we know the hundred people who will join. Interesting. When we look at our audience, when we see the relationships that we've got and we can write out a list of names where we go, these are definitely going to be in there. These are the maybes everybody else's no. Interesting. And where we can go, like, I know a hundred people are going to be in there because you want to like, you want to be excited to give the value right right and like it's just yeah it's just an easier mindset when like it 
you can do that successfully with 10, right? With the right mindset that stays. Mm -hmm. Um, most people lose that mindset when it doesn't grow and a community of a hundred grows faster than a community of 10 because other people like from the outside looking in see it just go, Oh, nobody's really interested in this. Like it must not be that valuable. Right. So there is like this kind of optic stuff that does help for some of this critical mass stuff. But, um, so none of my otters have done Patreon yet, but that's like one of the, one of the excellent ways to get value opportunities for people. I love that's it. Awesome. I that's awesome. I see a lot of people do it really early. That is interesting pushback on it. It's, it's definitely something to, to, to think about on that. I'm going to, my camera's dying. Sorry about, I'm, I'm going to keep talking oh, though, cool. and just switch out the battery. Um, hopefully I get this correct. Uh, sorry to the listeners on this. I, before doing my other podcast, I forgot to put a fresh battery on the charger. And then here I am <laughs> not following my own oh, system. Cool, man. Um, oh, come on camera. Yeah. And his perspective, which I thought was interesting, which kind of sold me on it was the idea, like now that we're going to be doing a lot of, uh, these campaigns and marketing and touring again, he's like, his thought was you need somewhere, you need somewhere. It sounds crass but you need somewhere to collect the super fan essentially like yeah. where is a right. place that you can invite them into that brings them value um into it and that's where he was like basically patreon is a brilliant place as long as basically as he's saying as long as you are actually doing it you know like yeah. <laughs> where, um where we have some concepts that we're wanting to wrestle through but i that is an interesting thought because of of timing timing is always an important thing and even for yeah. us we were going to release a song um in may and then realize with the big shows we have coming up and all this that we're actually going to push it to the fall and essentially and over the summer mm -hmm. the new fans we're meeting and connecting with essentially trying to enlist them in that campaign with us uh, to help that yeah. launch go bigger and we've made choices like that in the past and they have definitely paid off so i'll I have to think about that one because yeah. i that's really well, that's, interesting. Push that's back. where I, like I, I, I come it. back. I think there's different solutions for different people at different times. Right? right. So like if you're an artist watching this or listening to this and you're like, I'd be very content with 15 for forever, like do it. Right. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I see a lot of artists hop in really early and they're not excited about their Patreon and they've like mm. promised something really big that's valuable right and then they're just like yeah i've got to do this patreon thing and like as soon as that comes out of your mouth like like what's well, like the people are like i gotta do this TikTok there? thing <laughs> yeah you know, it's like, like no you don't you, you don't yeah. have to do this thing <laughs> yeah and like they don't want your like your resentment with that either right like <laughs> right. nobody wants that's that. a good point that's the energy you're putting out they're like well yeah you can piss off then <laughs> Yeah, and your super fans in that group would be like, I'll pay you five bucks a month if you just never say that again. Like, you know, like. Well, maybe yeah, the timing it just, of it, that's interesting thought too. Maybe a, a better strategy if the idea of, like for us, we're trying to collect. We don't them. use it as an early strategy. Yeah. There are yeah. other free ways to collect super fans into mm -hmm. like, you're essentially building your like value funnel for lack of better words, right? Of like for the you need you need opt-ins down the chain 
most people have like the opt-in of like stream my song and give me a thousand bucks and there's like nothing in between there <laughs> right and that's that's awesome. it's, it's that's like real, wave though, high right? like, or jump off a cliff with me one of the yeah other. right it's like you know give me five bucks so i can fundraise for this album or give me five grand and we'll fly anywhere in the world and do a house show and like just like anybody who's done a kickstarter or an indiegogo or something like that you've got to have tears like they throw all that out the window when it just mm. comes to like normal business time and it's like yeah. no man like fill out your value ladder start with like the smart stuff but like mm -hmm. if you've got a fan that's willing to give you 20 bucks a month figure out a way right ask them mm -hmm. ask them what they'd want like and when it it all comes back to that value though like if you're building a community where there's mutual value exchange where there's real relationships you'll have conversations with people and like they'll give you an idea so like this artist that i work with in the uk i love his stuff because like we just got some more out of the box things that i never would have thought of he's a visual artist he's a painter and sketcher guy he loves art he loves film loves all this stuff right it's great music and he, we, we've built an audience that loves all of that stuff that he does hmm. and most of his audience they're in their 40s 50s uh, which the great thing for him is there's more money, but we also get cool ideas. And so they were like, you always do these sketches and show them. Um, I've got kids. Would you ever think about doing a coloring book? And like, awesome. that wasn't in our plan. But when we've got relationships, we go, we need to do a coloring book because there's a market for that with our people. Right. Like he's got a market for doing a film, a film club. We're like, so we're thinking about like, cool, what could, what could it look like to have a 10 pound a month film club hmm. where you give them prompters and you go, here's the two films we're going to watch. And then let's talk about it. Um, That's really, you'd cool. have the same for like an art club or something like that. Like, but if you don't have the relationships, you don't unlock any of that, right? It's all a hmm. mystery. And you're just going, I hear buttons are good. Should I do buttons or you're doing t-shirts and tank tops? Should I do that? Or it's like everyone tells oh, you me to do vinyl. koozies and I'm like, I'm yeah. like I've, the, but, any of the fans we've ever had come to shows would not buy koozies. They're, it's just not yeah. like they're, they're not sitting with a cowboy. But if your fans online would buy koozies, that's then true. you know, right? I mean, that's true. But if another artist is like, Hey, you should do this. That worked for me. It's like, take it with a grain of salt because your audiences are different. Right. Right. But we like get advice from these other artists and we're building different stuff. And it's like, no, ask your fans. Like mm. they will tell you because like, especially the ones that are interested in financially backing you, they'll tell you what they want to buy. Ask your fans. I love that. If, if I had yeah. to title it, uh, maybe we would just title it. Ask your fans. Uh, yeah. There's a, a former guest named Randy shine and he's a brilliant magician out of Philadelphia. And one of yeah. the things he said during his interview um, was he constantly, what him and his magician friends say to each other is, you're thinking like a magician. Stop it. Yes. And uh, right. I was like, it was like profound. I like sat back. I was like, 
that is the problem. It's like I'm thinking yeah. like a musician right now, whether it comes to songwriting, whether it comes to what I'm doing online. Like we, we had this great idea that we thought would work on TikTok with we were playing this guitar riff, like a silent guitar riff thing, and like no one interacted with it. We thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe it was just not the right time. Who knows? But And then we did another thing that the audience really did connect. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and it had nothing to do with music. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <You know? right. laughs> oh man. So I, I got three questions left uh, for you. I yeah. know we're get, we're going over a little time, so I apologize <laughs> on this. It's just such a good uh, conversation, good good information. Um, I know it, it's down like one to one, right? This personal piece. But if you had to think of uh, the record industry as a whole, where do you see like one of the biggest opportunities for artists right now? Yeah, I think it's that we get to build relationships with people everywhere that mm -hmm. like the problems that my band had that that Bareface had that we like, we ignored the Internet. Like when we were in Kansas City, we ignored the Internet because we were like, no, it needs to be face to face, it needs to be in a show like we ignored all those opportunities. And like Kansas City at the time was all about pop punk stuff. It was all about metal stuff and um anybody from out of town and so kansas city didn't really care about us but we just like wore ourselves out trying to convince kansas city to care right mm. and we're like well we've got to build up here in order to go anywhere else right and it's like you got the internet like go where the people <laughs> are like you got stuff like twitch where you can perform for anybody anywhere You've got stuff like Facebook Live and Instagram Live. You can perform for people anywhere. It's different. Like, it is different. It's not the same as, like, being sweaty on stage in a bar and, like, that smells like urine and beer everywhere. Like, it's different, <laughs> right? You've it's definitely played some clubs. It, <laughs> yeah, you know it's that different, but it, but it doesn't need to be less, like, right? Mm. And we just have this, like, we get stuck in this, like, idealistic thing. Like, it's got to be this, 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 this for me to be okay. I think mm. that's our biggest opportunity is the internet connects us. Like, we're not in the same place right now. We're having this right. conversation. Your listeners, they're everywhere. Like, stop. Like, that's that's what I think the opportunity is, is going, hey, our super fans, they're going to be everywhere. Like, we need to figure out how to go to them. That's a huge opportunity to me. That's awesome, man. Um, so last two questions uh, off the podcast, uh, live and create. Uh, right now, for yourself, how would you define living a great life? I think, I think if you would have asked me a year ago, my answer would have been very different. We just had our first kid. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. I had very little to do with that, uh, but it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um yeah i think it's about like being yourself like being this like be authentic be who you are and figure out who wants to be there with you i think we waste so much time um worrying about the opinions of people who just aren't ever going to help you know mm -hmm. um and like i think I think it makes us incredibly unhappy. I think it makes us incredibly like um, needy for relationships online or things like that, or it's, 
you know, and we're following like how many likes or how many views did something get? How viral did something go? I think um, I'm in this season where I'm just like, let's, let's just like trim the fat and get back to what really matters. Like, um, and so, you know, I don't spend a lot of time marketing my own stuff right now because it's like what spare time I've, I've got, I'm actually reinvesting to myself as an artist and a creative where I'm just like, I've put that on the back burner for so many years. I'm just trying to get back to that as myself of like, get back into alignment. So it's, it's kind of a convoluted thing, but yeah, I think it's like getting back to yourself and prioritizing the right stuff and hmm. putting your money where your mouth is with that. And yeah, making, making stuff that you love. And then I think everything kind of flows from there when you're like yourself, your truest form and you can just be like, I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. I love it. Uh, the The second question out of that, uh, how would you define creating great things right now? I think it's hand in hand. So creating stuff as a creative, <laughs> like don't worry about what other people are going to like, like hmm. create you, right? Create music you love, create video you love, whatever you're creating, just like pour yourself into it and then like find the people who resonate with why you did it why you made those fun. decisions yeah that sounds awesome <laughs> instead yeah. of being weighed down by all the expectations and things that we probably put in our yeah. own heads right yeah that's i awesome. think we got to like get back into alignment of that kind of stuff and that's why i focus so much on like why do we do this in the first place is like let's get back home like get to a home base of like this is why i do things this is what I love to do and it'll change what you love to do will change. So that's fine. Like be open-minded about it. Like don't worry too much about the product, like work on yourself, make what you love. And like the people who are drawn to you for you, they're going to, they're going to be down with whatever you make. Hmm. I love it. One thing that, that sparked uh, from your, from the live and create or the live a great life thing is you, in your answer, you said, put your money where your mouth is. And it's something it kept popping up in my head as we were talking, but then we'd go to another conversation. Um, you know, and this is a lot for the audience as, as they're listening. One thing I've noticed artists struggle with one, like you said, a lot of artists are just broke. It's hard when you're trying to make rent and someone's telling you, you, would you pay for this coaching or would you pay for this teaching or would you pay for this video? Or would you, you know, those kind of things. Um, but like that mindset, it's like it. I try to encourage them to think of investing, and and those who are listening, maybe you're a young artist out there listening. Like, think of investing uh, in there, where it's like mm-hmm. we got into the college market, we we ponied up ten grand of our own money, and you know we saw forty grand come back. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like I just recently went through a licensing course, and so that was a thousand dollar investment. I found a good deal. It's normally more expensive. <laughs> and yeah. but like it's those tools that we'll be using to generate that 1000 will no doubt, you know, yield more and more as time goes on. And yeah, it's it's such a it's such an important thing Too many artists don't want to do that or you don't want to spend money on on the video that they need to make that would get them more gigs where it's yeah. like I was telling someone was like I invested 200 bucks on a video and that's not even a lot for a video. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it booked me not. all the gigs I had last year, which was like over a hundred something shows, you know? And so, yeah. so yeah, anyone who's out there, you know, definitely check out 
what Jeremiah's doing and let them know how they can connect with you, find out more about your coaching, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I do again, back to that whole like broke artist thing, like if you're broke, I'm still going to help you. Like if like I'm here to help people, whether they pay me or not, I feel like some people hear that and they're like, oh, he doesn't really mean it. That's just a marketing thing. Like, what's your catch? There's, there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of skepticism in our market. Like, um, and like, not for real. Like I, I make time on my schedule for free calls with people to give them help. Even if they're hmm. like, we all win when musicians with important stuff to say can actually get heard. And when they can make money, like when they make money, their fans win like it all everybody wins um so yeah i'm on social stuff as jeremiah tool or bear track recording or you can go to 1000 superfans.com or bear track recording.com um but yeah like i'm glad to be like friends in real life with people and chat chat it up and like all that kind of stuff so i'm everywhere facebook instagram linkedin um linkedin nobody's on linkedin tiktok um there's a lot actually it's it's popping oh yeah it's crazy it's not popping for me i'm still learning the platform but (laughs) yeah i I know people who are doing a shit ton through uh linkedin even using it for licensing and those kind of things that's cool it's crazy uh but but yeah i it's a whole different world i need to pay more attention to that the other platforms (laughs) but again it has to do individual like it just depends um yeah who who you're trying to reach so uh, well, dude, thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. This is this has been awesome. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create podcast.